If a doctor, lawyer, or dentist had 40 people in his office at one time, all of whom had different needs, and some of whom didn't want to be there and were causing trouble, and the doctor, lawyer, or dentist, without assistance, had to treat them all with professional excellence for nine months, then you might have some conception of the classroom teacher's job. That's a quote from Donald D. Quinn. I'm Raleigh. And I'm Danielle. And this is Unstuck, the special ed podcast. playing the hits today yeah that's peppy it's a really put a little pep in our step on this on this post thanksgiving uh week late podcast Mm -hmm. look time gets the best of us okay that's all i have to say i hear you so anyway how are you today i mean after sitting some in some traffic on thanksgiving morning when there shouldn't be traffic Fine. I'm great. You? You good? 100% A game? <laughs> Get, I definitely got over it. Yeah. <laughs> You're not thinking about it <laughs> no, at all. not at all. No, I, the Thanksgiving traffic is bad, but I would still consider the A number one worst traffic is, uh, is, um, Easter. Easter uh, traffic. Yes. Easter traffic is bad. I, for one, prefer no traffic. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's really my preference. I prefer to take my hovercraft right above all the traffic. <laughs> Hovercraft, not a helicopter, though. No. I feel no, like those no. are too dangerous. Who needs one of those? No. It's overrated. It's too much. One dropped off. Uh, I saw somewhere yesterday that someone must have come in. There's a very famous brewery mm-hmm. that's in Western Mass called Trillium. Mm-hmm. And a helicopter landed to pick up... Uh, Trillium. I mean, not Trillium. Sorry. Oh, my God. What's the name of the place? Treehouse. Treehouse in Western Mass. Wow. That's anyway. A, that's a great story. It's very relevant to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I bet beer people... Beer snobs would mm-hmm. know Treehouse. It's okay. very famous, right. well known. There's lines all the time, and apparently helicopters that fly in to grab we, the stock. We do know that stock. educators enjoy a beverage. To One unwind. or two Diet Coke. Yeah. Just a Diet Coke. Yeah, that would. Right now, I I'm do just doing lots of product placement. Okay, <laughs> we're getting no money from any of these places. But if you know someone from Diet Coke or Treehouse, <laughs> let them know about how popular this podcast yeah. is. Yeah. Over twelve thousand downloads at all this point. Right. Okay, yes. Just a little humble brag there. Um, so today we thought we'd do have a little conversation about the use of support staff, um, assistant teachers, TAs, paraprofessionals, paraeducators. I think they're called something different depending on where you are and how you work with them. Um, and I think the challenges in finding paraprofessionals in general, as we've talked about a million times, um, but really around how to support them supporting your students to make your life and your job easier as an educator or um, ancillary service provider. Like, how do you help support them and train them and coach them to help students ultimately is sort of what we're talking about today. I think that's why that quote is very meaningful, too, because, you know, talking about educating a room full of 40 students is near impossible without that type of assistance and help. And I think, uh, you know, you obviously have people coming into the field to be teacher's assistants or paraprofessionals who may actually have some idea about becoming a teacher or becoming some professional within the education setting. Um, and if they're not getting the type of training and experience and hands-on sort of learning and um, ability to understand how this all works and how they're going to become that position, whatever it might be, I think it just makes it that much more challenging to find people who want to do this job or any of these jobs within education and who have that type of real 
real life, I guess, experience. Um, obviously there are people that want to solely be a one-to-one, a paraprofessional, um, a TA, but I think there are people that maybe not even know what they want to do when they come into a school setting and there's psychologists, there's OTs, there's speech, there's the nurse, there's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of options. And if you don't have a chance to learn about how it all works together and how each person, what part they play, you may never be able to access that. Well, I think you run the gamut when you're um, hiring for that position, because you're right. I think there are, and I think historically, probably more so than are today, you have people who want to be teachers or some other profession within education. So you, they have that a natural drive to learn more and mm-hmm. to want to do more and to sort of quote, exceed expectations in a lot of ways, because they want to be doing, you know, what their ultimate goal is to be in a school and in a school system. And so, or, you know, wherever some, some sort of school. And I, I just remember when I was a TA, I was like doing everything possible to learn Mm -hmm. to say, what else can I do? Can I help write this IEP? Can I, you know, come to a meeting? you know, it was a lot of, can I teach a class? Can I, you know, what can I do? What more can I learn? I think, you know, now, as time has gone on, and again, that COVID effect, I want to say, you're getting sort of anyone to apply. And this Mm -hmm. job, a TA job, a paraprofessional job, pays literally next to nothing. Um, And so, I mean, education in general, you get paid next to nothing. But, you know, these people are, um, in my district, there's signs all over the place of like, help help paraeducators out of poverty because mm-hmm. it really is they're getting paid less than someone at McDonald's is getting well, paid that, at yeah, this we point. Talk, we talk a lot about not only what the, what they're not making, but then the responsibilities that come with, you know, being in a position where if you're already short staffed, then you're overburdening people and you're asking someone who might be there to do an educational role with students. Um, you're now asking more of that person, but you're not paying them. And so why, you know, unless you love this type of work and you love working with kids, you could certainly make more or the same with less stress and less responsibility possibly somewhere else. And so we've gone from this idea that I'm here because I like the field of education. And again, I may not, I may be a new grad who doesn't exactly know. I have a degree in something sort of ambiguous, like I have a psych degree or I have a, you know, and I can come into this field and I can learn what's out there for me. That certainly has happened Um, in my experience working where I have is that people come in wanting to work with kids. They just don't know in what capacity. And I think that's shifted. Yes, they want to be there, but it's shifted in terms of their longer term goals. I don't always know if the longer term goal is something that fits within the scope of education anymore. It's more like this is my job versus this is a path to a career. And I think we're not we're not able to currently train and nurture someone who has the designs on it being part of their career as much as we could in the past. Well, and then you have, I think, in addition to that, you know, now you have, um, you know, parents of children. So they want the school hours. So they become Mm -hmm. paraeducators. Mm -hmm. You have retirees who come back and want to support the school system in some way, which is all, they're all wonderful. Um, And then you have the middle, you know, not sure what 
their career wants to continue to be, they may have commit. I mean, I've, I've had people who have quit their job in a law firm and become a paraprofessional mm-hmm. because they just can't do law anymore, you know? So I think you get all of these people from so many different walks of life with so many different personalities, with so many different roles in their careers. It's sometimes really hard. And especially if you're a new educator and you're young mm-hmm. to try to train someone who is an elder Um, Mm -hmm. who's older than you. And that could be as little as two years. It could be 30 years. You know, I think that at baseline is really hard to figure out how you supervise someone that you don't necessarily really supervise, but you know that they need to work with you under your guidance and leadership. So I think that to me becomes like another really tricky component of trying to train paraeducators. Right. And there's also this, I think there becomes this, um, gap in passing down knowledge in sort of a cyclical or, or like a, in a way where, the, you know, this person in this position, maybe that's more at the top of the, the administration role, yeah. they're passing down what they know to someone who's then passing it down, who's then passing it down. And that is such a valuable link and chain that I think has become broken and disconnected because, you know, people are either not staying as long in the field to be able to pass that along. Someone feels like this isn't the job that I signed up for because it is way more than what I expected I'm going to have to be responsible for. Um, there's just no time for me to teach you the things that I could, you know, yes, you're going to get something. I'm not, you know, it's not like no one's telling anyone anything, but I have seen that happen where we've lost that sort of like handing the baton yeah. and that's, there's, there's no substitution for that in the moment experience that you are getting from someone who's already been there. Nothing is a substitute for that. No class you could take, no amount of studying you could do. And when we don't have that, that seamless transition and that baton passing, we are really, really burdening ourselves with trying to find ways to then catch up and, and cover up for that. And I think it's really hard to do that. Well, along those same lines, but also like, I guess opposite, I don't know how to compare it. So yeah, whatever, I'm just going to say, you so you no, also have to make an analogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> just trying to entertain the people, Raleigh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just trying to entertain the people. Um, so I think along the same lines, you have people quitting because of the stress, but then you also have, I've also experienced people quitting because they don't feel like they're doing enough. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're entering this field because they want to help kids and then they're sitting in classrooms in the back of classrooms not being supportive for I think for two main reasons obviously there are probably a million others but one is um teachers don't guide them not because they don't want to but Mm -hmm. because they either don't know how um Mm -hmm. in, in the general education setting so it's like I don't know what to do with them or what support they're supposed to be giving these kids so there's no training there so there's no training on how to be proactive right. and proactively engage especially at the secondary level where you don't want to embarrass kids so you're sort of sitting back and you're you know at ten, in a 10th grade biology class trying to figure out how to support a kid who has mm-hmm. an IEP um and then you have you know the other piece where they don't have so the the general education teacher or teacher in general does not have the training to help guide right. that and the parent doesn't have support or training to initiate that on their own um, or confidence, I guess, either. Well, and that speaks to the point, like I was saying about, it's like the system is broken. The system of how to continue to show someone the next thing to do and you know, what is the sequence of how you would teach someone and build up their skills and build up their confidence and build up their experience. And we're just not, we're missing it. It's like, you know, you're trying to, this is such a talk about a tired analogy, but I'm going to do it. You're trying to build the puzzle 
and the pieces are all in different boxes and you're like, I want this puzzle, but I've got to look in all these other boxes for it. Who has time to go through all the other boxes and find the pieces? So we're just trying to make it fit. Well, and they and, don't, and they don't know how to find the border pieces first, right. which they, con- it might be controversial because some people may not want to start with some the borders. Some people start in the middle. I don't so know. They I find don't. something they, they can, they, they're like, oh, I want to yeah. start working on that pizza box in the yeah. picture, whatever. Well, and I guess that analogy to add to that compares to the difference in in the type of people that you're trying to train. So there's not one, you can't just say like, it's not a one trick right. pony trying right, to right, train right, the right, people. Right. So right. Everybody's to, to stick with needs. the puzzle yeah. analogy, people start a puzzle in different ways. And so mm-hmm. how do you, how do you help train 30 people who start puzzles in 30 different ways mm-hmm. in zero time? Right. Well, and something <laughs> that I've, I noticed too, is like you have individuals who just are, you know, that, that have a, a really strong skill set coming into the field they, you know, maybe they've had a little bit of experience, but they're just naturally more gifted. They just naturally have higher executive functioning skills, perhaps, or they're just, you know, more creative. I don't know. You know, they, they just already can kind of, they're, they're pretty much already assembled and ready to go. But then you have people who have every good intention, good ideas, good motivation, but they don't have the same level of, you know, executive functioning or confidence or you know, behavior management, background knowledge or background knowledge. And so how do you give that person what they need so that they don't feel like they're not up to the task? They burn out, they quit. Now you've lost somebody who had that potential. You also have people who quite frankly might not be in this for the right reasons or aren't the, aren't going to be super successful. And we're stuck in a position at times of having to still make that person work and not mean like physically work, but like make that work within the system because we need the bodies and the people. Right. It's just, there's so many different disconnects happening and, and it's gone on long enough now that it's hard to catch back up again. We're just so far behind it. Well, and you're not offering any extended time. You're not offering any, you know, really what right. you're doing is so, you know, a building administrator hires a para educator and says, great, you passed your quarry. You can start tomorrow. I have no idea what your history is, but you know what? You're, you had a good interview. You have good intentions. Guess what? Tomorrow you're hopping right into you're the breathing. classroom. You're breathing. And you're hopping into the classroom. You're getting paid hourly for six and a half hours. And you are, um, you don't get paid on vacation weeks. And we give you no training time. And, you know, all of these other barriers. And so teachers are stu- stuck um, in the best way possible because you have a body uh, with trying to coach in the moment, try to hand off IEPs and show them how to read them, mm-hmm. trying to uh, <laughs> say, here's a behavior management plan. If you're in a classroom with students who are low cognitively and need assistive tech devices, AAC devices need um, an ABA or discrete mm-hmm. trial, like how are you training this group or, or of people. Or even just basic accommodations that yeah. are more universal that you're not thinking, like, how do you tell someone, hey, you should be thinking about these at this time? Like, yeah. you could try, but there's so many other things happening, you may be missing that. Right. And then on top of that, you are so you're, you have to share any IEPs, accommodations, um, behavior plans. Right. I mean, let's not even talk about the specialized programming that kids might be involved in. It's just, it's just a lot. And you know what? To all you teachers that are trying to do all of this and add this and your building administrators are like, why can't you do it all? Mm. I'm, I'm hoping they're not saying that. I'm hoping that they're trying to find a way to be supportive, but, but, but we I think feel they're trying your to find pain. a way to be supportive, but in the meantime, they're like, 
But you got to do it. Yeah. Right. But it's yours. But sorry that you are now like every, any prep period you might have, you're going to be supporting other classrooms because they're short staffed today. Or, or you're going to be supporting the para to show them how to do like, you you know, we gave you the body here, here, like you figure out what to do with it. It's just, I don't know. I even think about like trainings that you, assuming there's even time for it, because we did talk about this. We've talked about this in many podcasts of saying the training piece is so, so critical and not just trading within the system you're in within where you work, but like bringing people in from the outside who might have really good, you know, a good following for, again, like an executive functioning, social thing, like getting people into the trainings that are going to be how they start to internalize ways to work with kids, especially kids that have some different challenges, neurodivergent brains. That's going to be so, so critical, but where do you find that time? And then people, again, I see it every day. It's, I'm experiencing this. I feel like I'm not supported enough. I feel like I'm burning out. This isn't what I want to be doing. And instead of it being, I'm, you know, I went to school to be X and that's what I am. And like, not that I couldn't change careers, but like, this is like, I went to school to be an OT. That's what I want to be. It's sort of like, yeah, I'm here. I'm a para. This isn't really what I thought it was going to be. I'm now going to try something else. And now you've lost that person. Could you have kept that person? If all the other things were in place, if you had the training, you had the time to coach them, you had the time to sit with teachers and and have those meetings and really debrief and go through and and plan, would you lose as many people or would as many people be burning out and maybe less effective because they just aren't at their best? Yeah. One thing that we've started doing and, you know, as someone who has stepped out of the classroom, I try to work with others who aren't directly in the classroom or building administrators to to create the time to create the holes in the day so you know we've either had someone step in for half a day find substitute teachers so that our paraeducators can be trained by the teacher i mean I tell uh, my team all the time i'm like whatever time you need i'll figure it out and if i can't find a substitute you know, I'll go in there. And thankfully, you know, I'm on a couple of great teams now who everyone's willing to work together and be like, oh, you need 45 minutes. I'll jump into your class at that time. Or, you know, we can combine or I can do that. So I think, you know, it's really hard to find the time and really advocating to your building administrators the time that you need in finding substitutes, which by the way is also very hard, but. But not everybody is you either. And not everybody is willing to say, I've stepped out of the classroom I am three positions removed from the classroom or whatever. I am now going to go back into the classroom to give you that relief so you can do what you need to do. So when that can happen that way and people are all willing to do more than what they've been expected to do, it can work. But I say this all the time. Those that work with me hear this too many times. It's unsustainable. This is an unsustainable product. And that's the piece that I think you know, you can always, and especially people in this field, super creative, very flexible, hearts of gold, want to do the work, want to go the extra mile, will work on a weekend, a holiday, a day off. That should not be the way that we function. Right. And it's not sustainable to think, well, if we just keep making people work a 40 hour job, but actually do it 70 or 80 hours to do that 40 hour job and get paid less than a lot of other people out there. It can't work that way for long. 
Well, give me a second. I'm just going to step on my soapbox really quick okay, so sure. that you can hear this. Okay. I think one of the things that is most frustrating to me um, in education is the fact that there have been no systemic changes or even any hints of changes systematically from the Department of Education. And, you know, I they have their own stuff to do. Legislation takes a long time. But we just had a two-year pandemic that traumatized not only our kids, but our adults. Mm-hmm. It traumatized our teachers. It traumatized our families. It forced many kids in the home to be quote-unquote, and people did the best job they can, so I'm not dissing the the education piece for the last two years of teachers or families who have had to literally support kids through a screen for two years mm-hmm. and expect them to still keep up with the changes. In Massachusetts, they just raised MCAS 20 points. Yes. Yep. I believe it's starting next year. So instead of saying, holy crap, this is like, this is crazy that all of this just happened and where's the social emotional support? That's what we should be focusing on at this point, right? And I'm and this is of course like a, a little bit away from the paraeducation, but mm. it does talk to speak well, to it's all connected. It speaks to the, the hiring, it speaks to the availability mm-hmm. or the function of of being able to train people. Instead, we're upping the ante, upping the bar, forcing stress on teachers to literally plan more curriculum push the rigor to try to get these kids to pass standardized tests without saying like, holy crap, like you just went through this whole thing. Let's, let's all take a let's, step yeah, back for a brakes. second. Yeah. Take a breath and figure out how we're going to move forward because the bottom line is regardless of how people think, generally speaking, this is a different time. Mm-hmm. Post COVID is a new era and how are we going to address it in a different way? And that's addition to the changes that were already happening to kids mm-hmm. as part of, general general generationally i can get that like before covid you were already seeing such an increase in anxiety and mental health and and an awareness for it and an awareness for Mm -hmm. who kids are at an earlier age identifying themselves however they choose to be identified or feel within themselves so you already started seeing these changes and then boom you have this global pandemic saying like if you step outside without a mask you're gonna die and now we're just like oh nothing ever happened we're good like yeah. how do you i don't know whatever so that kind of has to do with paris to me it's just it's frustrating that there hasn't been some re- like a, a light bulb that went off in someone's head to say like hey maybe we should think about how we're going to support schools and and by supporting schools is like finding adults to to work with kids and training them appropriately so they stay mm-hmm. I'll step off now. I'm just going to say this is a shameless plug for a future episode where we're going to talk about if if we ruled the world of education, how a school day would be, how a school week would be. Um, I think fundamentally something has to change. This is one of those times where, as I said, unsustainable, something in the foundation, in the groundwork has to change. We need to change our thinking about education. Otherwise, we cannot get this done, in my opinion. Yeah, And it took me a long time, and I think I, I'm... I'm sure other people feel this way that are, you know, in our shoes, I think the way we, the way you and I work as we're very much team oriented, team driven. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's not just me, it's all of us. And how yep. do we support together? And I've always been that way, regardless of my role. And it took me a long time to realize that I can't expect that from everyone else. Right. And so like, I appreciate you saying like, that's you, that's not everyone. So let's talk about, you know, if you don't have someone around you who can support you, how do you support training your paraeducators to being 
what you need them to be, or at least some standard of what you need them to be. Yeah. What do you think? Got some ideas over there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. Solve it all today. <laughs> I mean, we're never going to solve it all today. I mean, the more, you know, not to put That's more into sense of humor. <laughs> finding other paras who have been doing it for a while, um, encouraging them to help with training has been really helpful and essential. Um, we actually are fortunate to have positions in our district. And I think they're, it's called an inclusion specialist or an inclusion facilitator, and they help support kids within the gen ed setting. Um, we've had though that, um, team working directly with Paris and taking a half day to actually provide a literally like quick and dirty training on accommodations, IEP, how to read certain Mm -hmm. portions of an IEP so that they can look at a kid and say like, all right, I need to do X, Y, and Z. So we've been fortunate enough to have that support to be able to do that. But any, any PowerPoint that you have that you can highlight certain areas and any way to, I think to me is building confidence and encouraging Mm -hmm. them to, to, to do what they think is right for the kid. Yeah. So I mean, that's kind of what you have to do at this point because it's, I mean, there's some value to that, obviously of saying like, I'm going to push you out of the nest. You're not ready maybe, but you just gotta, don't worry. We'll like put little cushioning all the way down. Um, but yeah, I I just think it's re re reshaping and rethinking how this should look, how it could look. I'm not saying should, like I should create, I mean, I'm just saying in, in future episodes, I'm, I'm going to play the role of, I'm going to create it the way mm. I want it. But there there has to be a shift. And I, I just, I want to be optimistic and I want to believe that something miraculously the next 10 years, you know, the, the amount of people going to school to learn to be teachers and anything else in the education field is just going to blow up. And it's going to be like, they can't even contain all the different people that they have to teach and to teach to be teachers and to teach to be OTs who want to be in a school or, you know, psychologists who want to be in a school or people who want to work with kids one-on-one. I don't know how that's going to be. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I wish that I could believe that. I don't It's not know. trending in that direction. It's not. Especially it's, it's in special not. education. No. And I think, you know, we, we also, I think we're planning to have an episode about the TikTok generation where there's a lot of, um, I think belief that and proof that you can make money doing a lot of different things. And so having that traditional, nine to five, quote unquote, although we know teaching isn't. Well, and I mean, here we are talking about it. You don't think kids in school, high school students who are looking at what they're going to do and pursue in their future, see teachers and say, I can't do that gig. Like I can't, how could I be making minimal money? At some point you make more. I get it. At some point you might make enough, but I I see what they go through. It's not worth it. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that's just Sorry, that's that's just how I I can't, I can't imagine there are too many kids looking at teachers and saying that's what I want to put myself through. No, well, and then you're talking if if we're I'm I, there are some schools in Massachusetts that are actually doing a really I'm, I don't mean actually like that like some colleges that are doing a nice job of like pushing um, people into schools faster, not mm-hmm. by leadership roles, but observing, yep. um, writing. Um, writing their own like mock behavior plan based on their own observations, writing their own reading assessment based on support. So I think there are, there's some changes being made to how they're being educated so that they're more ready to go into it. But I, I'd be curious to know, and if you know out there in the world, what schools offer support in how to provide support for your Mm -hmm. paraeducator, if there are any classes 
yeah. in any like a course college that, yeah. that helps you to say like you have little to no time here's a here's a course or at least part of a course to show you how to work with other people to get the most bang for your buck mm-hmm. out of the number of adults that you have in your space mm-hmm. Or even like an administrator course. Are there administrator courses out there that say like, here's how you support your teachers when they get a new pair? Like, mm-hmm. I just, is that a forgotten, pe- like, is that forgotten? I don't know. Or it never was something, I'm sure that they've, that people had to learn how to be a leader, how to yeah. be a supervisor. Teachers are supervising their pairs and their one-to-ones and their TAs. But... Like literally all I've done, all I remember doing in any of my coursework through my master's was like, what's your leadership style right. or what's your learning style? Like well, that's the closest I ever got to. And we talked about how things would have to change. Like you're right. You have to get to the root of it. You can't just, you know, you've got to get to where it starts. And if it's starting with getting people into the spaces to see what it's all about, teaching them differently in colleges when they take the classes or, you know, showing just a different way of how to do this so that it is simplified and more efficient. I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it, but these are things that take time and not, you know, I also appreciate the fact that where we operate and work is we have, we have a lot of people in this part of the the country, in this region who there is a strength with education and with schooling that not every part of the country or world has. And so we may have some schools that, provide this other places may not so i mean how do you make it so that it's not just you're not getting it just in massachusetts regionally yeah yeah. you're getting it everywhere well yeah well so when we first started this episode i was like oh i you know because we like to offer ideas and speaking to everyone um and i was like oh my gosh i'm sure we have you know in all of our experience plenty of examples and what i'm realizing is that all of these examples are to me great like the coaching in the moment taking time to check in with people mm-hmm. encouraging them giving them any sort of giving them the ieps and doing a quick lowdown on how to use it uh, any sort of trainings you have to highlight like going to your building administrators to get time like all of that falls back on the teacher like how do right. at what point Yes, I understand that they're they're sort of I hate to say it like this, but like your pair is like your sort of directly sort of aligned with them and your students, but all the onus as soon as they're hired falls on you. And right. how do you like And again I, I, I don't have an idea right. on how to well, we said how before, to say like this isn't actually it is. Some of these teachers have that organization and that executive function. Right. And, and they're just at a, at a place where that's, or maybe they've been doing this long enough that it's just wrote to yeah. them in a sense. Like they can teach someone else. Yeah. It's not a big burden. But if you're newer to the field or you're just not sure exactly what you're supposed to be doing because yeah. your supervisor can't meet with you because they're doing other things because right. they're going into a classroom, what do you do? So yeah. this is, I mean, you know, obviously we're not going to solve all the world's problems. I just, I think it's, it's being able to maybe get back to some basics but yes you're right it becomes the burden of Of the teacher teacher. and even trying to find that that expert para who you've worked with and know can help train it like that's Mm. still on you to do and so like if the one thing i would say if because it all falls on a teacher is that if you're a teacher the first thing is just to quickly i would say is accommodations right so that way that para can go into any classroom and be like, all right, I know that these are common accommodations and I can at least, even if I don't have this kid's IEP, I can at least offer them um, to walk over and check in and make sure they know the steps to the task. So like, I guess that would be, if you had to start somewhere because it is on you, just 
for now until the well, world changes. I used to joke about this, but um, like the quarterbacks have the little plays on their yeah. wrist and you just flip it and you're like, oh, right. I need to remember like modified paper, headphones and um, frequent breaks and a che- uh, visual checklist for editing. Great. And flip it back to yeah, again. Yeah, it's almost I like mean, they need that. Yes. And I, I used to say this and people would be like, yeah, I'm like, but I'm actually not super kidding. Yeah. Like some kind of quick reference guide yeah. that you carry around with you somehow. Again, falls on us right. to make it, but right. you know, I, it's a start. Yeah. So anyway. anyway, thanks for listening to us today. I know it, uh, we veered off here and there, but I hope it was a good episode for you all to listen to. We were all over the place, but yet yeah. not. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. The car was all over the road, but we were still on the road. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, um, no one else where was on the road. Going? I don't know, <laughs> but we were there. Um, <laughs> well, for a little bit of levity, um, here's a would you rather. Would you rather have everyone you know be able to read your thoughts or for everyone you know to have access to your internet history? My internet history. Yeah. I'd say the same. Sometimes I think, okay. Oh, no. As if this hasn't veered off enough. Sometimes I think about that and I'm like, I'll be thinking something about something and I'm like, I hope no one can read my thoughts right now. Oh, no. It's so nothing bad. It's nothing like, don't want that, but it's like things that like just run in and out of my brain at all times. I'm like, mm. Yeah. I wouldn't want. But I wonder, so we're answering that pretty quickly, but like there may be some people who are like, oh, no, that internet history. Yeah. Mm-mm. I'd rather you know my every thought. But <laughs> I kind of feel like. It's one and the same. Like I was going to say. Like, if you're having some weird yeah. history, you probably have some weird-ass thoughts. Well, yeah. I feel like nowadays where everything's at your fingertips with your phone, I'm easily, like, if I'm thinking something, I'll be like, you're probably oh, let me Google search that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, well, I guess it really doesn't matter. Yeah. So there's that. Well, yeah. All right. All right. Well, be sure to follow us on all of our social media pages. I swear at some point we'll get less busy and... Uh, really start pushing out some content because I know that that is some feedback we've gotten. Um, but we are at Unstuck Podcast One and we appreciate all of your listening um, and we look forward to our next topic. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.